Anyway, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so I've been sober since the 24th of July, 1993. Um, what are we going to talk about today? Sponsorship. Um, I'm not especially qualified. Um, I haven't been on a course on sponsorship. Um, I have sponsored several hundred people over the past 28 years. Um, and I've also, that, that's formally sponsored several hundred people. And there are um, probably several thousand people that have sought input and I've given my, my, my AA input. So I've got some experience here. Um, I think the first thing to, to say is that there are lots of different ways of doing this. So if you are being sponsored differently or you're currently sponsoring other people differently, that's, that's perfectly fine. There's no need for anyone to fall out over, over this. Uh, and I imagine different things work for different people. I've never been different people, so I don't know for sure. But I imagine that different things work for different people. Um, before I go into how I do sponsor, I, I will tell you something which didn't work. <laughs> so for, for I've had a, a, a number of sponsors in recovery and some have been more useful than others. And the useful ones weren't always the nice ones. I've known some awesome, lovely people in AA who've been so kind and thoughtful and non-judgmental. Never express a view on anything. Just say sort of they're there and go to meetings and let go. And they quote from the book and everything they say is absolutely impeccable. And they... They, you know, they might have been to Al-Anon as well. So, you know, let it begin with me, you know, keep my big fat mouth shut. And the little porcelain face never cracks. You never see a reaction. Everything's all placid. And if you're like me, a sponsor like that is about as much use as a chocolate teapot. Because when I'm nuts... The point about being nuts is that I can't see that I'm nuts. I think I'm fine. I think I'm not nuts. I'm seeing things exactly the way they are. Uh, so I'm not going to find my way out of it. Uh, there is a school of sponsorship which says, oh, you just put the tools at their feet and you let them find their own way. Well, I didn't. <laughs> I did not find my own way. Um, in my first eight years, uh, I did a lot that was right, but I had seriously distorted perceptions of the world and uh, everything was still about me, even though I was using the program, but I was using the program so that I could live my life more effectively. 
uh, I was still absolutely the center of it. I still had very sort of worldly values about security, particularly security and ambitions. Um, and I had a series of nice sponsors who went for walks with me in nice places and they never challenged me on anything. And nothing changed. Um, you got the program in principle. So everything that's written down in the big book, just in case you, you uh, no one's ever told you this, because no one told me this for a while. If you're wondering where the instructions for the program are, they wrote them down in the big book. Um, there's some other materials which are helpful too, but that's where they put them. Um, so there's the program there and a sponsor might limit himself or herself to simply regurgitating what's in the book saying wow look on this page look on that page that's but you might as well just sit with the book then rather than someone saying you know most of us can read not all of us but most of us can read um i needed a sponsor and i still need people i still need human beings to help me apply the program to what to me it's not as the books itself says, it's not a theory. It's no good just giving me the abstract principles and not helping me to apply them. And I think the reason why this is different than going to get a sort of, I don't know, a, a teach yourself trigonometry or a teach yourself Vietnamese book is uh, there won't be any particular ego resistance to trigonometry or learning Vietnamese. So as long as you're, as they say in you know job situations, a motivated self-starter, as long as you've got that going on, you'll be all right. You don't need to be spoon-fed. But I think AA is different because there's a there's a headwind, and the headwind is the ego. And I've needed other people to side with for, with whom I can side against my ego, because me against my ego crying out plaintively to God is frankly not enough. I need people as well as God. So the sort of uh, gently, gently hands off style of sponsorship, I'm sure is very suitable for some people, but as I say, useless for me. Uh, the purpose of a sponsor is to, is to take me through the steps and to show me how to apply the, the, the program uh, uh, the, the steps and the principles to my actual life. And I think there are two key elements here. Um, uh, AA, some people say, uh, could be made to stand for, of course, it stands for Alcoholics Anonymous, but it could, it could stand for attitudes and actions. In other words, the way I look at things, the way I look at things and what I do and if, if my life is going to change, how I look at things has to change and what I do must change. It's no good changing one without the other. If I change my attitudes, but my actions don't change, nothing is going to, if you don't set the alarm clock, it won't go off. I mean, it's just a very basic example, but some actual change has to take place. Unless I got a job, money was not going to start coming in. Um, but by the same token, 
without the attitude changing, you can take all the right actions. I'm pretty bloody minded. I know you're all sort of placid and yielding there in New South Wales, but I'm bloody minded. And I can take all the right actions, but remain thoroughly miserable because I've decided to be miserable. I said to my other half a few weeks ago about something or other, I said, well, I don't know why this is upsetting me. And he said, because you let it. That's why it's upsetting you, because you're letting it upset you. And so I need both to change. If I change my actions without internally assenting to, internally going on with it, going along with it, I'm going to create a tension like an elastic band. It'll snap. The actions will stop and I'll snap back. What this has meant, as I say, because uh, self-justification, I think, is one of the key characteristics of me as an alcoholic. Uh, is I've needed people to help puncture that shell of self-justification. So my sponsor is not in any formal position of authority and the people that I trust, um, so my best friend in AA, my other half who's not in AA, but is, is uh, uh, less hysterical than me, um, I, as it were, grant them authority to override my perception of situations. To say, you know what, Tim, you're wrong. You're completely wrong on this. And my job is to say, yes, that's correct, not <laughs> to argue against it. Why? Because if I'm unhappy, I better hope that I am wrong. Because if I'm not, I'm stuck like it. So you've got to be pretty careful who you pick. Now, I love AA, but we let anyone in. So you've got to be careful who you ask for input from. You, you want to watch people in their lives a little bit first. Like how they treat animals is a really good, it's a really good um, test of where people are spiritually, how people respond, to, as a friend of mine says, how people respond to dirt and water as well will tell you an awful lot. Um, so I give people from whom I seek input the spiritual consent to speak openly, um, to call out inappropriate behavior, to call me out where assessment of what is going on. Where am I getting my facts from? Where am I getting my information from? Um, uh, you, can, you can produce almost any view you want if you go to the right or the wrong source. And so I surround myself with people who are not emotionally involved in whatever my bullshit is, who are going to say, you know what, did you know your facts are completely screwed on this situation? You've gone out to find things which um, which reflect your psychologically adopted stance. Um, you're not seeing things as they are. I need those people to call me out and tell me I'm full of shit. Um, I know I'm in trouble, as my other half the other day said to me, um, uh, who's a professional in a particular area. He said, do you think I know more about this subject than you do? <laughs> and I had to say, yes, mm, you do. Um, trusting people that know better than me. You see, I'm the resident expert on everything when I'm left in, my, in, my, in the corner of my room thinking things out on my own. So 
I think 50% of the programme, it seems to be about mental rewiring what I think, how I think it, the attitude I take, where I get my information from. And 50% of it is about moral rewiring and getting on with being of service to the higher power and service to other people rather than having everything revolve around me. If a sponsor doesn't call me out on wrong thinking or wrong behavior, they're basically co-signing it. And I've used people who are sober a long time who are nicey-nicey to basically keep myself trapped in inappropriate thinking and inappropriate behavior for a very long time. And it didn't do me any good. Um, if I look under the bed and I say there's a ghost under there and I, I get someone else to you know, look under the bed, if they say, well, there might be, I'm reinforced in my delusion. Uh, if someone shines the torch under there and says there's nothing under there, dummy, the illusion is over. If you see the same ghosts as me or even remain silent, you're reinforcing my, my delusions. So I've got to be really careful here. Um, I phoned my sponsor from many years ago, Brian. This was I've got a different sponsor now, but this is about 15 years ago. I said, hey, Brian, I, I was thinking. Well, I, I was, what, 13 years sober or something, 12, 13 years sober. And I said, hey, should we go for a coffee? You know, just like to hang out. And he said, you know, we're not friends, don't you? Um, and the reason this was so important is because uh, friends tend to be invested in you continuing to like them. And being called out means taking it means a risk has to be taken. The other person has to take the risk that I might say, well, F you then. So they've got to be uninvested in my reaction in order to tell me the truth as they see it. So that's why I don't mix friendship with uh, sponsorship. Uh, there's, there was one exception. There's a very, very unusual situation in my life where someone is, is kind of both. But we're sort of more co-sponsoring each other we call each other out and uh we're, we're very close but it's the it's the one relationship in 28 years where friendship and sponsorship have worked together every other time that i've let friendship aspects of friendship leak into the sponsorship it's spoiled the friendship and it's spoiled the sponsorship so i keep the two completely separate it doesn't mean that we can't be friendly and cordial um but it means no gifts no favors don't go on holiday that sort of stuff, really don't go on holiday. I mean, maybe you've got it, maybe you've pulled it off. I haven't. There's always, there's always an issue. So I don't even, I don't do that. Um, some other points. Uh, I've learned a lot about how to sponsor people from going to some Al-Anon meetings and uh, listening while I'm at them. That's the that's the key second stage. Once you've been an Al-Anon for a while, you, you realize, oh, my God, these people actually know something. Um, what this means is as a sponsor, I'm not there to do for them what they can do for themselves. Their job, the sponsee's job is to get to the furthest point they can using the resources and knowledge they have. And then I can take them further from that point. But it's not my job to find where in the big book something is. It's not my job to repeat things a hundred times. So I get people to 
take notes from our conversations. And if I sense that we've discussed something before, I say, hey, have you looked at your notes from last time? I think we've discussed this because there's a big danger of um, infantilizing sponsees by treating them like little sort of children that are incapable of, of doing anything. Um, uh, and, and they become reliant on you. Have you noticed that thing sometimes with, with sponsees? I know I've done this as a sponsee where a situation happens and, you know, I might be two, five, 10 years sober and I've, got, I've done the steps and I've got some experience and I've got some knowledge, but something has happened and I am upset. So what do you do while well, you call your sponsor and you sick up? this unprocessed, undigested situation onto their mat and look up at them like a cat that's brought in a, a half-dead mouse and say, what are you going to do about this? And then the sponsor pushes back and I say something like, well, aren't you supposed to call your sponsor when you're having a bad day? Um, it's not my sponsor's job to unpick the facts from the bullshit of a situation until at least I've made a little bit of an effort to do that myself first. And so what I encourage, when people are super new, it's completely different. You know, in the first year, people need a lot more hold hand, hand holding. But after a while, there has to be a maturing process where people actually start to assimilate and um, apply the skills, the tools, the experience, the knowledge that you've passed on to them. Otherwise, you just end up being their wet nurse forever. Um, uh, a friend of mine reports being in a, his home group in New York where uh, someone asked this bloke, uh, oh, hey, hey, Jerry, can you take the meeting today? Susan is stuck somewhere. And Jerry said, I'll have to go and ask my sponsor. And like, this is someone that's 20 years sober. You know, you should be able to think through something like that yourself after 20 years. So the point of sponsoring people, I think, is to get them to a position where they've assimilated the program and they can rely on the higher power so you're not their wet nurse forever. Um, uh, I'm going to be blunt. Um, I was an asshole when I got sober and I'm a bit better now. I'm still, I'm not, I'm, I'm not nicey-nicey, but I'm a lot, I'm a lot more socialized than I was. Um, and sometimes I sponsor people who are a little bit tricky. And um, the danger, there are, there are four R's to look out for. Um, reaction, resistance, rejection, and reproach. So you're in the middle of, you haven't even finished giving the suggestion and they're already going off like a string of Chinese firecrackers. And then they come up with loads of objections. Like again, you haven't even finished giving the suggestion and already the, the objections are growing like bamboo in rainy season, just shooting up there. Like as fast as you can get rid of the objections, more are coming. And then they reject what they, you have to offer. And then they start reproaching you for having the temerity to make a suggestion they asked for. Now, what I've learned over the years is I don't know. I don't fight that. Like I introduce people to the idea of the four R's that a lot of people will respond really badly to input. I know I did. So I'll say to people, hey, 
can you see there's a tiny little bit of resistance going on? How about we pause for, I don't know, 24 hours, 48 hours. If you want to come back enthusiastically interested in what I have to offer, then we can talk again. But I think you need to have a little think first, because it makes no sense to come and ask me for input and then reject it immediately. Fine. And they're usually fine. And then like a couple of days later, they'll come back because what's going on is um, some people have a tiny little problem with authority figures and you are chosen by them as a sponsor, which means you probably remind them of all sorts of authority figures they had in the past that they've got problems with or had problems with that they never quite got over. And you're now the vehicle for them to act to perform historical reenactments of every failed authority relationship ever. And so it's not even necessarily, it's not about you. It's not even about the advice. Sometimes the whole setup, the conversation is happening so they can start an argument with an authority figure and win and go away vindicated somehow, having taken revenge on mom or pop or the teacher from third grade or whatever. That's what this is really about. That's why I pressed a big red pause button and say, why don't you come back in a couple of days if you're actually interested in input? And there are nice ways of doing that. And I adopt one of the nice ways. I'm kind of giving, giving it to you straight here. You know, a lot of this, as far as the delivery is concerned, you have to be gently, gently, but make sure the content isn't gently, gently, otherwise you'll kill them. Um, uh, what else? Sometimes funny little special relationships get formed with sponsors, and that can be a little special relationship where they're sort of they're they're running after you like a duckling, or it could be where you're the resident enemy, you're resident evil. Like you, you know, you walk into your home group and they're there, and their whole body shudders. <laughs> and I had one a few years ago where I was, I, there's nothing I can do right here. Um, uh, I'd make a suggestion. And she'd say, well, you're, you're, I think you're bullying me by making that suggestion. And then I said, well, why didn't you, if you don't like my suggestions, that's fine. That's fine. Why didn't you get another sponsor? And she said, you're abandoning me. So like, whatever you do is wrong. If you give them a suggestion, you're overbearing. If you threaten to stop giving them suggestions, you're abandoning them. Once one of these weird little special relationships is formed, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't fix it. And I'm not going to go to couples therapy with the sponsee. Seriously, just find some, find someone else. And um, what I've noticed, if people have like the same problem with five sponsors in a row, even they realize it ain't about the sponsor. There's a pattern here. There's something else being played out in the relationship. But sometimes they have to, your job is just to, you know, be number seven in the list of people of failed sponsorship relationships for people to learn what's actually going on. Uh, but you, I can't fix it. I can't fix any of those. So if it, as soon as it becomes anything but a straightforward, here's some information, here's how you apply it, here's where I think you're wrong. I might be wrong in my perception of where you're wrong, but there we go. That's my view. As long as long as it stays in that it's safe as soon as it gets beyond that to some kind of weird you know that thing when they call and your whole body tenses up that's a sign that there's some kind of special relationship going on that something is being played out in this which isn't which has no business in a sponsor sponsor relationship um personally i find it, it, it i found it best for a while to find sponsors and other people to give input who i found boring 
was I was actually much more likely to just listen to what they say and do it than the ones I found interesting. The interesting ones, I was attracted to something else. Um, what else? Um, uh, I spread the load as well. So when I'm taking people through the steps, I give them a list of people who I think have got a good program, say, when you've done a little bit of step work, run it past a couple of these step bodies as well. So by the time you come to me, we've got you got some of the kinks worked out because then they're getting to rely on a whole like village of people rather than on, on you. I don't like being a one stop shop for someone else's recovery. Then they need a network of people in case the relationship with you breaks down. They need to have a bunch of people who they already trust. So it catches them if they fall, then it, it reduces the pressure on the relationship with you to work. Uh, and they, a lot of people need a lot of hand holding um, uh, through the actual mechanics of, of the steps. And sometimes it can get just super intense and difficult if like, Everything is being done with one person. And in Cleveland, I'm given to understand they got people to, to be indoctrinated with the program, but like seven, eight, nine people. And I think that's really healthy. You get the same thing when you hear it from eight different angles, like basically the same thing, but expressed in a slightly different way. I can hear it then. Um, and uh, just a couple of last things. One thing on relapse. Um, so when they relapse, um, not everyone does, but a lot of people do. Uh, what I've got to find out with the sponsee is what's the reservation? And usually it's a number of, there are a number of basic ones. Basically, they don't want to stop. They still see some kind of benefit in continuing to drink. Uh, they don't really believe in the physical craving. They think that they can somehow have a controlled outbreak, if you'll pardon the expression. Uh, they be believe that there's such a thing as a safe slip, that if they slip, they can come back. I thought that when I, I was a slipper for three years. Uh, and of course, you can't uh, guarantee you're going to come back. If the, if the current washes you back up on the shore, you're lucky. It ain't because you're a good swimmer. And so coming back from a slip, people think that they can they can blow away the cobwebs and come back. And maybe, maybe not. People aren't necessarily convinced that a spiritual awakening is required to stay sober. They aren't necessarily convinced that uh, they can't have a spiritual awakening just by doing like half of what AA suggests. So you find out the reservation, given the program full throttle, either they do it or they don't. If after two or three slips, they're still slipping, I suggest them go and find someone else. I don't know what's not working. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's you. But let's look at what is happening. What is happening is you're slipping, buddy, and whatever we're doing isn't working. So try it with someone else uh, rather than, uh, you know, pushing treacle around a plate, which is what it can feel like if you keep them on like forever, slipping, slipping, slipping. Last point, uh, how many sponsees do you, do you have? Um, someone said to me, uh, a most people can handle one for every every year of sobriety um and uh with a lot of practice i think that can that can work uh at the moment i've got a few people i'm working with actively i've got a much larger kind of pool of people that i'm like technically the sponsor but they've been through the steps they call when they have a question that's about it uh my experience is that I, I, I've got much more effective and much more efficient over the years. So uh, I couldn't have coped with more than one sponsor at the beginning because it took up all of my energy. Whereas now it's, it's, it's like with any, any kind of any job, any business, you get better and quicker at it. 
Uh, you get quicker at spotting what's going on. Um, uh, and so, yeah, it's possible to handle quite a lot of people, I think, uh, with the right with the right training from the right sponsor, uh, because it ain't this isn't therapy. And I'm not there as the best friend. I'm not there as all sorts of other things. I'm the I'm the dinner lady slopping out the food onto the plate. Um, and I'm not there to fix anyone. Uh, and it's when I see I when I see people getting very very entangled and you know they've got two sponsors and it's almost more than they can cope with. There's usually all sorts of other stuff going on that it's become this like weird intense thing where it's sponsorship plus a whole load of other things. Um, there aren't there isn't a shortage of people to talk to in the world, but there is a shortage of good sponsors, which I which is why I think it's important if you've been trained how to be a sponsor. It's important for me to make myself maximally available because I think there are more people that are looking for helpful input than there are people to offer helpful input. So that's why efficiency is much more important for me to sponsor maybe a large number of people, slightly more arm's length, slightly more business-like than to have two or three super intense relationships because I'm denying other people the opportunity then. So I tend not to say no uh, as long as it's appropriate for me to say is I tend not to say no. Uh, and then I let God show me how to manage the, the workload more efficiently so that I can cope with whatever I've just agreed to. Uh, I've gone over half an hour. I'm slightly, I'm just very slightly. So I'm sorry about that, but um, I look forward to hearing if there are any questions. That's okay, Tim. You could have talked a lot longer. It's fine. Thank you. Uh, so I'd like to um, basically thank the 